0: Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. The title of this series that we're going to have for this month is is called Heart Murmurs. Heart Murmurs. And uh, uh, I believe that there are things in all of our heart that murmur. And I'll give you some clarity Uh, to what that means, because I don't want you to initially think that that must be a bad thing, even though we'll talk about some things that might murmur in the heart uh, that could be uh, uh, detrimental to you. Um, uh, So if you're taking notes, and you should, and if you're not a note taker, you should still take notes. Uh, The title of this first message is, We Need a Heart Transplant. The reason why I put we need a heart transplant and not you need a heart transplant is because we need a heart transplant. I needed one, you need one, we all need a heart transplant. And so uh, I'm going to read you some scriptures, and then we're just going to fall into this. I'm so excited, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter number 12, starting at the 33rd verse, goes a little something like this. This is Jesus talking. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes! (laughs) Jesus was always coming at the Pharisees. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury. Of an evil heart. And I tell you this you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. (laughs) Okay, let's pray before we get into this. Lord Jesus, help us all. Bow your heads. Uh, God. Oh, we need a heart transplant. Amen. Murmur by definition, you all know I love definitions. A murmur by definition is a mumbled or private expression of discontent. The other definition that you need to know is to utter in a low tone. So not every murmur is a bad murmur. But what you have to understand going into this is that every heart murmurs. Because of um, the nerdiness of uh, uh, my nature, I had to uh, look up the medical side of this as well. And uh, on the medical side, there are two types of Heart murmurs. There is a normal murmur, what they refer to as a normal murmur, which is usually found in uh, infants and children. And there's an abnormal murmur, which can be found in children if they have a congenital uh, heart disease, but it's usually found in adults as uh, the arteries start to uh, become clogged. So you can have a healthy murmur, but you can also have an unhealthy Murmur. I thought it was very, very interesting that uh, uh, a, a normal murmur would usually be found in an infant and a child, and God is always telling us to come to him as children. That's when the murmur is usually pure. But as you get older, there can be some things that start to clog the heart, cynicism, apathy, frustration, anger, bitterness, lust, that start to make the lowest tone of our voice murmur some very toxic things. And my assignment today is to be that of the nurse that's prepping you for the surgery uh, that you're about to go through today. (laughs) And so if you've uh, ever gone through an operation or you've ever had to go to the hospital Usually the nurse is the one that comes in first, and they start doing the preliminary checks, and they get your blood pressure, they get your temperature, uh, they start to get some reads on you, because when the doctor comes in, the doctor is really coming in to actually just do the work. The the, the nurse is the one that's kind of prepping and doing everything. My wife and I have said oftentimes, nurses need to get get paid what doctors get paid, because I don't know what doctors do except come in and be like, so anyway, yep, she told you, okay, bye, and you'll get billed. Deuces. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I remember when we had our second child, Noah, uh, uh, the nurse could have just delivered the baby uh, because our uh, OBGYN was late and, and, and was not getting there. And she was actually telling Juliet, okay, you have to actually hold it until the doctor gets here. And Juliet's like, nah. I'm not I'm going to push this one out right now. And uh, my Lamaze training kicked back in because I paid attention to that because when I went, I took notes because I'm a nerd. So I was like, I already know which breath you have to do. Look me dead in my eye and go. <laughs> she was like, I just want to push it out. I was like, no, wait, because she said so. But the nurse really did all the work. Well, I, I'm not going to do all the work, but I do want to prep you. And I want to give you a context to why we need a heart transplant and who's the one that made the diagnosis, because it wasn't me. It was our great physician, and I want to show you in Scripture. Here is uh, the thing I want you to know before I give you your first point. Jesus makes this statement after the... uh, religious leaders made a very, very strong accusation against him. And I want to show it to you. It's in uh, verses number 24 and 25. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Look at the first line of 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Now, Scripture says in verse number 24 that uh, they said. But in verse 25, it says Jesus knew their thoughts. But in 24, it said they said, which gives me an indication that it was audible. But then in 25, it gives me an indication that it wasn't audible because the response was Jesus knew their thoughts. So if they said it, but it didn't come out of their mouth, how did he hear it? Well, he heard it from the lowest tone of all speech, which doesn't come out of the mouth, but from the heart. Let me, let me give you an example of how this happened. So, so they see Jesus cast out this demon, and they, they, they looked at him, and this is literally what they did. No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. They didn't open their mouth! But he knew their thoughts and replied to what they were thinking. Let's do it again, because that was just too much fun. We trained and practiced for it before, so I now want to do it again, because we practiced too hard to do it one time. So, they saw him cast out the demon. The demons is cast out, and then they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, can a kingdom divided against itself stand? What? Could you imagine if you thought this in your heart and Jesus responded out loud how you would feel? I would have left. (laughs) That would have been the end of the whole message for me. As soon as he would have said that, I would have been like, you know what, no, I'm not. Whether you're a prince of demons or not, you're not going to be reading my mind all day. I would have left. Jesus wasn't a mind reader. He's a heart reader. He's a heart listener. He can hear the murmurs that come out of our heart well before they come out of our mouth. Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Point number one, write this down. God's diagnosis. God is the doctor and he gives us our diagnosis in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart, the human heart, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts, underline that, and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. This is not Tim talking... This is not any other preacher talking, any other believer talking. This is God giving the diagnosis of the condition of the human heart. And here's what he says. The human heart is the most wicked thing. This is the diagnosis that you have to live with from the beginning in Genesis chapter number three. When Adam and Eve both disobeyed God and decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the human heart became corrupted. And it's been corrupted ever since. Even on, is there anybody in here besides me that can admit being blood-bought, redeemed, transformed, fully sanctified, and walking out your soul salvation and, and striving to live uh, good, that you have some thoughts that you're like, whoa, I, wait, wait a minute. What am I thinking today? Anybody beside me? Okay. Um, uh, if you didn't raise your hand, just keep living. <laughs> you, it, it, it may not happen on Sundays. It might, maybe happens on Tuesday during rush hour. There's some thoughts. There's some murmurs that start coming out of the heart that you're like, I, what am I thinking right now? I've been in worship. I'm just talking about me. I've been in worship and had some of the craziest thoughts come to my mind while I'm trying to put my mind on Jesus. It's your breath and my... Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so we pour... Up. Wow. Where did that just come from? That was 11th grade. My heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why did that come in my heart right now? Because underneath everything that comes out of our mouth, there are some things that still reside in our heart. And they just murmur at a very low tone. And you may go weeks or months or years without even knowing it's there. But if you get quiet enough, God wants to address those murmurs. So God is the one that gives us the diagnosis that our hearts are desperately wicked. Point number two, write this down. Our acceptance. We, we <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a very, very uh, strong point that you need to have. Because when a doctor gives a diagnosis, you have to accept the doctor's report. Now, this is the only diagnosis that you can get. That is futile to try to get a second opinion. Because it's the great physician, that's the one giving you the diagnosis. This is, this is you can't get this diagnosis from God and say, "The devil is a lie." <laughs> the only report I'm going to believe is the report of the Lord, where He's the one that just reported that your heart is just really wicked. So you can't bind this scripture. Okay. Please have some theological sense to know that he's the one that gave the report so you can't rebuke the report that he gave. Okay, Now you can have a sickness or an ailment that you go into a natural doctor for and you say, you know what? I'm, I'm standing on God's word and by his stripes I am healed. Amen, you can do that. But with this thing I'm talking about, God's the one that gave the report. There's no rebuking it. So we have to accept it. But, but how do we accept it? Well, Uh, there's a great template here uh, that we can read in Psalm 19, verses 12 through 14. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Thank you, David. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here's the acceptance of David. I can't even know all the stuff that's lurking in my heart. I need some help with this. And I want the, see how this is connected again. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation or the murmurs of my heart to be acceptable to you. I don't wanna just watch what comes out of my mouth and have a heart full of toxic words that stir and churn all day and all night long. I don't wanna open up my mouth and say the right things to people, but still be cussing them out in my heart. I don't wanna open my mouth and say, I forgive you, but in my heart be like, I'll kill you. I don't want to open my mouth and say, I love you, but in my heart say, I hate you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. God, I'm not trying to just get by with a C in this area of my life. I I want the words that I say to match what is actually in my heart. And I can't do that by myself. Would you please I don't want the wrong murmurs in here. So we have to accept it. Point number three, write this down. It's our request. There's a request that we have that we can make. We have to make the request. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The doctor gives the diagnosis. We accept his diagnosis, but then we have to request the operation. He cannot perform the surgery without your consent. I wish he would. It would be great, especially in the world that we live in right now. It would be fantastic if God just kicked in the door of our souls and said, I'm going to fix this right now. But he gave us free will. And he will not perform a heart surgery on anybody without their permission. And so we get the diagnosis, we can accept the diagnosis, but then we still have to request the operation. David seems to be the best at this. David seems to be the best at observing what's going on in his heart and and, and asking the right questions, giving the right prayers, here it is in Psalms 51, verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. If you don't know what to request, just read Psalm 51 and 10. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. I'm making the request now. I need you to do something new in here. Because what I have on the inside of my heart is crazy. And I need something new in here, and it's not going to happen because I think positive. (laughs) It's amazing to me uh, 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 that people want to come to church and get pop psychology as a way to motivate them to do right. It's only going to last a couple of weeks. Thinking yourself better and pulling yourself up. Where has that got you? We need heart transformation, not not heart inspiration. I I don't want to come every week and say, you can do it. Go. You can. Woo. Look at you. Reach your goals. You're amazing. Go for it. Grab the stars. Shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll be among the stars. (laughs) Hey, man, that's, oh, wow. Where am I? Is this Tony Robbins or is this a preacher? Motivation, you can can get that in an Instagram post. Transformation only comes from the word of God. I can be inspired by anybody. I'm inspired by a lot of people. They're not even saved. I'm inspired by them. I'm not discipled by them. Only this transforms hearts yes, permanently. Ooh, yeah. but we have to request it. Create in me a clean heart. Yes, Renew a right spirit in me. Yes. Point number four, write this down. I want to now talk to you about God's procedure. So this is uh, where the nurse comes in and tells you what the doctor is going to be doing and how he's going to be doing. I remember going uh, with my wife uh, when she had uh, our second child, and um, uh, they gave her an epidural. And I loved the, be- the bedside manner of the anesthesiologist. He came in, and he just had this really cool demeanor and a really kind of calming tone. He just walked in. He was like, hey, yeah, so uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be taking a needle, okay, stick it in your spine. I'm just going to bathe all the nerves back there. I'm just going to bathe them Uh, until you just have a sensation where you're not going to be feeling much. Uh, Once you're in uh, that state, we're just going to monitor you for a little bit. We just want to make sure all those nerves are bathed and make sure they're all kind of deadened so that you don't have any sensation down there. And once that uh, takes place, then we'll be prepping you to have the doctor come in and make sure that this baby comes out. It was just so kind of like just casual. You know, he just said, you're going to stab me in the back with a needle and pump a bunch of drugs back there so I don't feel nothing. But the way he said it just made it sound a little bit better. I mean, when, I mean, just think about it. Whenever they come in and, and talk to you, hey, all right, so we're just going gonna to have this brain surgery. It's going to be great. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make a small incision <laughs> on the side of your head. At that point, we will be uh, removing a portion of your skull. We're going to go ahead and get in there, uh, clip around that tumor. It's going to take about 12, 14 hours. (laughs) Pull that thing out. We're going to replace the skull, the piece of skull. yeah. going to sew you up. Recovery time should be about four to six months. You're going to be fine. (laughs) Let's recap. I'm going to slice your head open, (laughs) crack your skull open, and take something out that's harming you. This should kill you. You should die. But you don't. Because there isn't one incision that is made or one break that's going to be experienced that has any malice associated with it. I could open your skull with a bat. Ah! There was a lady over here. Her, her reaction to that was priceless. She was like, oh, my <laughs> That was great. I know that's graphic, right? I could open your score with a bat, but you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be alive. Like, I couldn't tell you about it later. <laughs> like, hey, so that went well. Hit you with a bat. You started to convulse, and... Uh, <laughs> No, that's funeral time, what, right? In this regard, the same type of incisions and openings are gonna happen, but you're gonna live to tell the story. So, so let me give you God's uh, procedures, okay? Uh, uh, the first one is found uh, in, in uh, John three sixteen. I think you all know this. For God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me, let me articulate to you this, this portion of the procedure. So here's what God's gonna do. Uh, thank you for coming in. I appreciate you being able to uh, come in, receive the doctor's diagnosis, accept it, uh, and request uh, for this heart transformation to take place in your life. It's fantastic. Um, here is what's required for you to have a heart transformation, death. It's going to require your death uh, for this operation to go well. And, uh, but if you can successfully die right, you're going to live forever. Now, Dr. already um, assessed uh, your health and well-being. He already took into consideration Uh, whose generation you came from, your family background, your ethnicity, all of that. And here's what he found out. Uh, You wouldn't be able to survive it. So uh, instead of you having to die, the doctor came up with a better solution. He decided to send his son to die on your behalf. And instead of your blood being shed so that your heart could be transformed, his blood would be shed for your heart to be transformed. Now, here's the wonderful thing that you get to uh, uh, really rejoice in. Um, you still have to die, but not literally. So someone's already taken care of the physical debt that needed to be happening, uh, so your atonement is set. Here's what we're gonna need you to do. We're gonna need, just need you to die and deaden yourself to all of those fleshy impulses that kind of bubble up in your heart that make you do crazy things and make you think crazy things. The wonderful thing is you don't have to do this by yourself, okay? Uh, uh, So the death has already been done for you, uh, and that procedure was done on the cross. We just uh, 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 exemplified that by taking communion, the bread, and the wine. Uh, Here's the second half of the procedure that's going to happen, and this is, like, what I really like to talk about because the doctor is just amazing, like, there's no better surgeon on the planet than him. So let me tell you what he does with your actual heart, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 16. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. So this is the doctor saying how he's going to do his procedure. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. So uh, the way that I anesthetize uh, your whole body And all of that uh, ridiculous sin nature is that we just bathe it. Remember how we talked about with the anesthesiologist bathing those nerves in in all of these solutions until it gets kind of desensitized? Yeah, in the same way, we just bathe your whole body in the blood. We just cover it all in the blood. We just bathe the whole thing. Your whole past is bathed in the blood of Jesus. Your present is in the blood of Jesus. Your whole future's in the blood of Jesus. We know you're crazy. So it's a, per- it's, it's, it's a blood in perpetuity. It's, it's not a, a drop for yesterday and a little bit for today and hopefully some for tomorrow. It kind of covered everything. Yeah. Now, what that gives you an opportunity to do is to live in freedom from any of it. It doesn't mean you're going to forget it. But it does mean that you, don't, that you don't have to actually participate anymore. And here's what the doctor's going to do, right? So he opens up your heart. When he opens up your heart, he's actually going to write his laws on your heart. So like all that sinful nature that was written on there before is going to be covered up with what the doctor decides to write on your heart. What he's writing on your heart is an actual covenant with him that is eternal. And no longer will you be trying to uh, 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 figure out in your heart, what am I supposed to do? As he writes this stuff on your heart, when the Holy Spirit gets in there, he's going to be reminding you of everything that he wrote on your heart. So that you can start regenerating on your own murmurs that sound more like him and less like you. Uh, As this stuff starts to happen, you'll probably have a conflict. Here's what happens with all uh, transplants. There, there is a, there is a um, season where we, we have to monitor you to make sure the body doesn't reject the transplant. And uh, what I want to let you know is that your sinful nature is going to try to reject this heart transplant. There's going to be days that you wake up and hear murmurs in your heart that sound like the old heart when it's really the new heart. And the enemy is going to try to make you think, see, it didn't work for you. You had this heart transplant. You heard this message and nothing's changed for you because, look, you're still having these thoughts. No, nope, that's just your old self, your old body trying to reject the new heart that God has written on. But here's what I want to let you know. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and if God did this transformation, you can trust and believe that it is final, it is done, it will not be rejected, it will be permanent, and you will become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now listen, that's the mindset and the attitude that we need to have as believers. That anytime time that there is what I call an invading thought that comes in from my past, I check it against what I know God has done in my present and for my future. And that is you've created in me a clean heart so that I can live according to your laws that I don't just have to memorize. You've written them on my heart. You've actually put a governor on my heart that lets me know that when these old thoughts and these old images start popping up that I can go, that's really not me. That, that's, I'm having like a ghost moment to that old, that old organ that I had that has been replaced and transformed by this new one. We need a heart transplant. And he's been doing this for thousands of years. You might say, well, listen, um, I've seen some people that have received heart transplants still say and do some bad things. I have too. i I've been one of them. It's easy sometimes to forget what God has done when the images of the past have been so vivid. But the only way that starts to change is based on what you feed your new heart. This is why this word is so vitally important. I don't care if you're not a reader. We live in a day and age now where you really don't have any excuse. You can get the Bible on audio on your phone. You can listen to the word of God while you're driving in the car. If if anybody lives in the DFW Metroplex and, and doesn't just live around the corner from their job, there's at least a 15 to 20 minute commute where you can get the word on the inside but reinforce what God has given you with his word. When you you get an organ transplant, they tell you that you're going to have to take certain medications for the rest of your life so so that uh, the body doesn't uh, uh, try to revert back to uh, its former stage and try to reject this new organ that's been received. Well, in the same way, you can't have a heart transplant and try to, go off your old diet and think you're going to see any victory in your life. Like, 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 There's just no way that you can come to the altar and experience a deliverance moment and think that moment was it, but there's no follow-up, no medication, no reading, no lifestyle change. I've seen people that have uh, needed organs because they ruined their own with alcohol consumption, or smoking, or, or something like that, they need a lung transplant. They need uh, uh, new liver stuff like that. Wouldn't it be crazy to 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 have someone donate an organ to you, and you still go about your life the same? You almost died. Somebody was generous enough, either either living or Close to their death, or when they died, decided to give an organ to you, and you, the way you celebrate, if you, you got, you know, an uh, uh, organ transplant that was a liver, the way you celebrate is by having a bottle of whiskey. Woohoo! A new liver. Let's do the old stuff to the new thing and think something's going to change. Praise God, I have a new life. Let's live the same old way and then be shocked that we don't see any breakthroughs and victory in our life. I don't understand why God's not doing more for me. You're doing the same thing you were doing before your transformation. And something has to change. So today, we need a heart transplant. There was a certain direction that I thought I was going with this message earlier this week. I actually shared it with several people and thought, man, this is the way I'm going to go with this message. I'm really excited about it. And the Holy Spirit said, Tim, you're, you're ready to address heart murmurs without addressing the fact that, need, that they need a heart transplant first. You can't deal with any of the murmurs in the heart unless they accept my diagnosis and requests for a change in their own lives. You won't be able to receive anything else in this series (laughs) if you don't first admit, I have some stuff rumbling at the lowest tone in my heart that is not healthy. That's where we need to start. And so today, that's where we're going to start. So in a moment, we're going to pray We're gonna do the altar ministry a little bit different this weekend. I'm not gonna have our friends come up to pray with you. I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. That if you know that you're carrying something in your heart that is murmuring in a way and recurring in a way that you know is unhealthy, unhealthy, I just want you to be brave enough and bold enough to ask the doctor to transform you. So, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Holy Spirit, um, we appreciate you taking the time to speak to us about our hearts. I believe, God, that in this moment, you are identifying areas in our heart that need to be changed by you. Would you take my heart and create it anew? Would you take every traumatic experience of my past that plays like a broken record in my heart and would you heal it so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight in Jesus name Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.